you still need the label. You, you need the label to be able to introduce yourself, for example, and I identified myself as uh, pansexual for the sake of people, other people understanding who I am and where I'm coming from. But to me, the label is the purpose that it serves. Yeah. It's not the anchor or the, the grounding of my identity. You're listening to This Polyamorous Life, collecting stories of struggles and triumphs of non-monogamous people wherever I find them. I'm Reg, and this week, we're listening to a conversation I had with Graham. Graham is a local DJ at CJM Radio 99.1 FM in Windsor. Silvio and Soul can be heard every Wednesday from 5 to 6.30. Now, Graham's story is different. He's in a monogamous relationship now, but he did have a journey through polyamory over the last couple of years or so, and I wanted to talk to him about his experiences. Our conversation meandered through ideas about identity and sexuality. I talked with him at the CJAM Studios in Windsor. My name is Graham Sylvester. I am 31 years old. I, um, I was a practicing polyamorous person. Uh, I am now in a monogamous relationship with my partner. Um, I am a uh, pansexual cisgendered male, and I'm in a relationship with a uh, straight uh, cisgendered woman. Okay. <laughs> if you want to get super technical about cool, it. Cool, cool. So now we, we know all the the all the Yeah, all of the, you're the details. You're also French-Canadian. I'm French-Canadian. <laughs> Uh, very proud to be. Uh, I'm qu- a quarter Italian. Oh, okay. I'm from Essex County. I live, grew up in a small town called Emeryville, and uh, I currently live in Windsor. Uh, there we are. There we are. We know all of these details. It's excellent. <laughs> so, what got you thinking about doing polyamory in the first place? Like, how did that happen? Well, I entered into a polyamorous relationship with two women in 2015. Okay. uh, Four years ago now. And um, I was not very familiar with polyamory right up to the point that I met these two women. (laughs) Okay. So um, I I may have been sort of vaguely aware of the existence of the word polyamory, but I had no idea what it was, um, and I had no idea what that entailed uh, whatsoever. Uh, I met these two women at the exact same time, pretty much the exact same time, within the same week uh, of each other, and they both said that they were polyamorous. Okay. Um, And so um, that's, it just sort of happened spontaneously and organically in that sense. Did they know each other? Like No. Okay, no. So they're two separate. Yes. Okay. Yeah, it it was something that at the time was uh, certainly, I have to admit that it was convenient, (laughs) uh, you know. Yeah, that um, it was, happened to work out really well for you. Yeah, it was something that um, I was uh, definitely interested in and um, had never really, uh, as I said, looked into or uh, had taken sort of any interest in uh, prior to that. Um, I, I also uh, felt the need that, or I also felt that my partners should um, have a relationship themselves, like not a a sexual relationship, but a, a friendship or at least an acquaintance. They should be acquainted or they should have a sort of familiarity with mm-hmm. because inevitably you end up, you know, you're going to spend time with the two of them in the same um, 
in the same setting space. so in the same space and uh and so i i endeavored to um you know introduce them to each other and and share a social setting and um and i didn't find that uh to work out very well either um as that i don't think that my partners really got along with each other very well okay and i found that to be um something that really uh was very challenging and sort of hampered my my experience uh <laughs> a, a little bit and um so yeah a very rocky start uh i would say to the beginning of of my experience with polyamory and okay. and what i um what i took away from that is that polyamory is something that is very specific in terms of uh in terms of it it can be it can be broad and it can be interpreted in many ways mm-hmm. but there's definitely um ways uh, a way one rule that you should abide by feel is to learn about polyamory before you take your first steps L- look before you leap look before you leap for sure and um and so anybody who's interested in polyamory that would be my first piece of advice is to um go online uh look at resources read a book um, and uh, and try to learn about polyamory and what it is before you endeavor to uh, to have a polyamorous relationship because or a polyamorous lifestyle I should say mm-hmm. um, because it uh, there are there are mistakes that can be avoided um, just by simply you know and then later on when I when I did look at those resources and so on <laughs> I, I realized that I I didn't have myself i did not have the right attitude uh-huh. uh or outlook or understanding of polyamory um to have this sort of healthiest uh relationship yeah uh with my partners um so but anyways i think feel like i do feel like we got over that ro- rocky period as mm-hmm. i sort of began to understand uh what polyamory was like you were doing yeah yeah and uh and uh, and i had a very um uh, i'd say a very healthy and fulfilling relationship um with both uh partners uh both those relationships did end um mm-hmm. you know f- but uh, not due to anything related to polyamory yeah uh and um and so i had a very in the end had a very positive experience mm-hmm. uh, being polyamorous them, yeah, yeah sorry are both of them still polyamorous yes or, yeah okay. yeah yes so, so you you dove into polyamory and then sort of got out of the yeah the pool my but, uh my yeah, they stayed playing right the my, my thing was uh playing might not be the right word <laughs> my my experience uh after those relationships uh, came to an end. I took, I, as I always do, I took a long break from dating, okay. uh, generally, which I think is a good thing, a nice, healthy thing to do. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and I waited until I felt sort of centered and, and grounded, um, in my own life and, mm-hmm. and you know, emotionally and, and mm-hmm. materially, et cetera, yeah. uh, before going out and, and looking for another partner. And when I did find another partner, they were not interested uh-huh. in polyamory. Uh, now, and you were fine with that? I was fine with that. It, to me, polyamory was, um, I don't know if, I don't want to say that I was, in, in the beginning, obviously, I was experimenting. Um, and uh, over time, it became something that was a little bit more important to me than that. 
but it never transitioned into what you might call an, an identity mm-hmm. for me. It was always um, it was always a, a lifestyle or a, uh, a thing you were doing, a, a thing I was an activity, as you might say. <laughs> and um, and so uh, my new partner was um, not interested in being polyamorous. Uh, but we were op- in an open relationship, so there was a sort of a, a vague sense in which I was um, not monogamous, mm-hmm. and um, and so that's that's how that happened. I, uh, I, I as it turned out, I was willing to sort of compromise uh, my polyamorous lifestyle <laughs> and uh, and and well, just enter into a. And, and and did you think of it that way? Did you feel like it was a compromise? You say you don't identify right. as polyamorous, but then would it be a compromise necessarily to not be poly? Like, are you just saying? I'm trying to to nail down what um, how you feel about it. Is it um, a thing that you want, a thing that you don't want, or a thing that you're like I could go either way on now? Um, it, as I have always felt, I don't identify as polyamorous now. I don't right. think that that's fair. Uh, considering that I haven't been, I've only been in one mm-hmm. uh, sort of polyamorous situation, and sure. uh, and now I'm dating a fully monogamous. I'm in a fully monogamous relationship. Uh-huh. Um, it's something that I I do feel comfortable returning to uh, in the future. Uh, get, if that's you know if that's how things happen, right. then I am I'm I'm not sort of swearing it off uh, okay. forever. Um, it is, uh, something that I'm definitely open to, but it's also, uh, you know, it's not something that I'm engaging in now or for the f- foreseeable future. Right. Right. Um, and, and it's not something, cause some people need it. Yes. Like some people need to know, even, even right. if it's like, okay, if I could do monogamy for a time. Yeah. And then, okay, but I, I need it. But that's not where you're at. No, no. I, I'm, I'm com- completely content remaining monogamous. Uh-huh. It's something that I'm, that's very familiar to me. Uh, I've been in many monogamous relationships before. Sure. So, um, and, and for me, it's not something that is, uh, that I am so committed to as a part of who I am um, that, uh, that I can't. But I do fully, I do understand people who um, who identify as polyamorous mm-hmm. and see it as a sort of part of who they are, as a part of their existence or a part of their being, yeah. and uh, and that makes sense to me as a as a pansexual person. Um, there's no way in which I could separate uh, the idea of pansexuality from who I am. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I have I feel like I have been queer. Uh, although I've long struggled with sort of articulating exactly what that was, mm-hmm. um, and I will always be. Uh, and so, uh, you know, I, if somebody feels that way um, about polyamory, I, I feel like I have at least some understanding of where that person's coming from. Mm-hmm. You didn't stop for you, because like, there's a lot of times where people will try polyamory and then be like, Oh, polyamory is bad. Yeah, <laughs> or something like that because it didn't work out. Right. Is that how you feel? No, or, no. no. It, I mean, I I wouldn't even say that polyamory is not for me. Okay. Because I do think that I found a way to that that it, it did work. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, even in the in the period of time when mm-hmm. um, I didn't 
necessarily know entirely what I was doing. <laughs> and I sort of just jumped into the deep end yeah, yeah, yeah. and figured it out as I went, which again is not something that I recommend. <laughs> um, you know, it's, um, uh, even in that situation, I, I don't think that those were experiences were not valuable, uh, or that I, that I don't want to go back and, and change uh, anything. I have no regrets. Um, but, um, you know, there, there is a, uh, there is a, a better way of going about it, I mm-hmm. would say. And, mm-hmm. and that would, that would include, you know, learning about Learn. it <laughs> yeah, before sorry. you, uh, before you go about doing that. You're a pansexual person in a heterosexual relationship. That's right. How does that feel? Uh, <laughs> how does that unfold at all? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, in like, what like, sense am I poly- pansexual with if I'm not in uh, a, a relationship with a queer person? Or I mean, I mean, yeah, sure. Like I, like I know the answer to that, but I want you right. to answer. Or how does that, <laughs> just sort of generally how does it unfold? I, I well, first there's like a, f- a physical attraction to um, uh, men, women gender non-conforming people mm-hmm. trans people um mm-hmm. basically i the way i look at it is i don't look at gender or sexuality as exclusive criteria um in term mm-hmm. when i'm when i'm attracted to somebody i'm not you know there's no there's not there's no being not attracted to somebody because of their sexuality or gender mm-hmm. um i'm i'm merely attracted to people and uh and so that's sort of very fundamental. That's sort of my outlook or the way in, in which I um, understand or, and engage with people, um, you know, sort of sexually. Um, there's also a, a uh, in, inside of me a, a strong proclivity towards uh, queerness and, and being queer um, culturally. Okay. Uh, so I identify a lot with queer culture. And like, uh, like, can you can you give more specifics? Uh, in my academic studies, mm-hmm. I just completed my master's in history, and I studied um, the the history of uh, the gay community in Windsor. Okay, and wrote my uh, master's thesis on that. Um, so you know, those those things interest me uh, a, a great deal. Um, I, I also I just sort of you know it's it's difficult to describe, but you. It's it's something that's just sort of fundamental to uh, who you are, and mm-hmm. uh, but uh, but also there's 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 you know things that are sort of you know traditionally uh, understood to be uh, more on the uh, spectrum of and and not necessarily uh, gender uh, binary conforming. Okay. That uh, that I that I love that I that are a part of who I am and what I do. Okay. And so and, and so. That's just one facet of it. Like I, 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 that's who I am. Okay. Um, uh, you know, being in a monogamous relationship with a person uh, who is not queer uh-huh. means that that person has to accept that about you. Yeah. And you have to be upfront about who you are, um, especially as a cisgendered male i know that i you know some people have told me that i give off queer vibes Mm -hmm. um but also i you know a lot of 
whatever that whatever yeah. whatever you however you characterize that <laughs> yeah but uh, but other people you know f- feel that i'm very uh cis in my demeanor and i and i am in the mm-hmm. way that i dress and so on mm-hmm. um so yeah like you enter when you when you're just introducing yourself to somebody and you're looking to enter into a relationship with that person um they are definitely wondering if you are queer or not or you know and i've en- i've had you know situations where uh you know i that person was surprised mm-hmm. when i um ident- identified as pansexual mm-hmm. and um uh, and there's situations where people have you, you know um sort of picked up on it uh okay. on their own um but you have to be upfront about it as early as possible in the in the relationship and then you know that that person has to accept you for who you are and so um as long as the person is an ally um i feel like my my pansexuality is intact uh it, i that i maintain that uh identity if i were and this would never happen because uh, i'm too old for this but if i were in a situation where that person was not accepting of uh of my my sexuality and i repressed right. uh my own identity then then that would be a, a problem then I, then i would feel like i was not being true to who i was okay you don't stop being queer because you're in a heterosexual relationship obviously no. right like, no it, you know this is <laughs> i'm basically asked the question so that we can say that but it's a yeah but it's a it, it is uh it's something that queer theorists have sort of uh wrestled with a lot um uh judith butler is a very famous queer yep. theorist at one point um struggled with the or asked the question of what what constitutes a queer person um, and it's an age-old question of, is it a matter of identity or is it a mat- more material thing? Mm-hmm. Is it a matter of your sexuality and your the way in which you experience mm-hmm. um, sexual relations with other people? And she was always very skeptical of well-meaning straight people who identify themselves as queer without, um, you know, in, in solidarity of, mm-hmm. uh, of queer people. Um, without actually having those uh, any kind of queer uh, sexual experience mm-hmm. uh, in their lives, and um, is it enough to merely be sort of culturally uh, identifying as queer mm-hmm. without having um, queer sexual experiences, or mm-hmm. you know, um, do you have to have that as a part of your life? in order to be able to wear that hat. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's, I don't know, I'm not ready to like answer that <laughs> no, question. No, obviously not. And, yeah, uh, yeah. but it's, uh, I think it's an interesting question. I think it's, uh, you know, it, it's, uh, it's something that point, uh, reveals how fluid um, and, and simultaneously how sort of meaningless these labels can be, yeah. you know, um, that you just sort of are who you are yeah. and then you append a label to yourself yeah, and yeah. it, and it approximates who you are, but it, it never quite hits the mark. Yeah. I yeah. feel. Yeah. Cause I mean, when you were saying, um, that, you know, saying I'm queer, I identify as queer and all this and just kind of like, yeah, but what does that mean? Yeah. yeah I, I, like, I love the word queer because it's broad. It's, it's so extremely broad. It's almost, almost, as I say, almost meaningless in, in its broadness. Yeah. Um, 
so this is the, the I'm going to go on a bit of a rant here. Go for it. Um, That's what this is for. I have always felt that I was queer. When I think back to um, my earliest childhood, I remember um, having a sort of uh, what you might call like a, a sort of femme demeanor okay. about myself sure. as a as as a little boy and mm-hmm. in my first sexual experiences i found myself attracted to um both men and women sure and and sort of just sort of like generally curious mm-hmm. about sex and and what what it was and what that entailed as i became older and um it uh you know i grew up at a in a time when uh, you couldn't just be openly. Well, you could. Yeah. You, it, being open, very openly queer, was uh, a little risky, especially for somebody who can't quite understand it or articulate it for themselves. Yeah. And so you needed to be, if you were gay, for example, you need to know that you're gay mm-hmm. and wear it uh, yeah. with pride, uh, as I think all queer people need to do mm-hmm. um but you needed to be at that point in your life when you know in high school as an as an adolescent and that's at my when i was growing up very difficult yeah very, not something that sort of came naturally yeah. whereas I, I think that today it's it's a little bit different it's yeah. a little bit more accepted yeah, yeah uh, kind of you can wear that pride with wear that pride with like like uh like armor yeah in a certain amount where it's like right. armor well, but right right because no. like if someone is like I'm thinking about in high school, if someone w- was um, flamboyantly gay, right, right, then someone, the, the, like someone to to say homophobic things to that person is like clearly crossing crossing lines yeah clearly doing bad things mm-hmm. and and they could rely on the people around the around them hopefully like the the gay person could rely on the person people around them to st- stand up for them yeah right where if someone is like you, you know not not that out right right then if someone says homophobic things around them then th- they're they're just gonna get hurt, yeah, right. Because people aren't gonna stand up to defend them because they don't right. know that needed defending. I think things have changed, as you said, a little bit. Yeah, you know, with GSAs and all that making yeah. it so that that um, homophobia is a lot more of a faux pas right. now. Than yeah, absolutely. Then. But I've spoken with young uh, queer, like young gay uh, men, and they've you know conveyed to me how well there obviously depends on where you yeah. live yeah. but uh one p- person that i know uh who now lives in the gta experiences an extreme contrast between windsor and uh the gta um obviously depending on what sort of setting you're in yeah, it depends where you are this person goes to seneca college yeah. for graphic design and and being in college just you know regardless of what program he finds that is is just it, it's yeah. uh so um normalized to as to be uh, not of a very much interest uh yeah. to people because it's just that's just who you you are who you are and you know yeah. uh, whereas uh I, you know obviously in in other settings and uh, and I do think in in Windsor we have some more work t- there's more work work to be done for sure for um sure. anyways uh, uh <laughs> just a little tangent there but anyways yeah. um 
When I was in high school, I, I, don't, I don't actually know how things are because I'm a straight guy, right? Like, w- yeah. It's, it's the sort of thing. When I was in high school, there there was maybe one or two openly gay students, mm. and um, and they, I don't know, I don't know their experience. I'm sure they experienced some discrimination or bullying, sure. um, but also uh, they were very sort of on the whole, I'd say, ex- totally accepted by the vast majority mm. of of students. Um, despite how sort of marginal they were, there's only two of them. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, for me, it was uh, from, I'd say, age 13-ish, mm-hmm. um, I began to sort of realize that I was queer in some sense, um, but I didn't know how to articulate it um, in in language. Uh, I didn't, I always, I knew in my heart that I was attracted to men and women. Mm-hmm. But at the time, there was really only gay. Yeah. And we had another word called metrosexual, <laughs> which is a, a whole, I think that's a whole discussion unto itself, is that just that word and, what it, that word in a while. and what it means but, um, and why people use it. But uh, there was just gay. You were either gay or you were straight, yeah. and there was no understanding of being bisexual, and there's n- certainly no understanding of being pansexual, mm-hmm. and especially among um, adolescent students in a county high school right. with a sex ed curriculum that didn't include um, any kind of, you know, uh, understanding of of being queer or being gay or being lesbian or any yeah, of those yeah. things. We didn't have a GSA. Yeah. Uh, by any means. Uh, I think that high school still doesn't have a GSA. But anyways, there was a, a time for a long time I dated girls and I was attracted to girls and uh, and I considered myself straight and I didn't like the term metrosexual, but other people <laughs> did describe me that way. It's a kind of being queer without actually being queer. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, uh, metrosexual, a straight person who dresses well. Right, for our, yeah. For our older and younger listeners. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, um, uh, but then there was a time, then I, 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 I felt like I was sort of denying a, a part of myself and, uh, and because I had had experiences with men and I thought maybe I'm gay. Uh, and so I, I didn't necessarily, um, I didn't have any kind of sort of coming out. Mm-hmm. A lot of people have, uh, have a, a coming out, uh, but I just sort of started identifying as, gay at that point and then i was gay for a little while and then i was like you know what there's another part of me that i'm i feel like i'm denying here so yeah. i maybe i'm straight and now i'm in a relationship with a girl and uh and so i'm straight again and it is you know this kind of jostling between identities uh w- which sort of characterizes my experience um being queer through my adolescence. Mm-hmm. It wasn't until I got to university that and I started studying queer theory that I began to understand that there's a it, that it's a spectrum and yeah. it's not a sexual uh binary mm-hmm. uh and um and so uh, discovering bisexuality and that it's you know perfectly un- natural and mm-hmm. acceptable to be attracted to both genders and um I also became very skeptical of labels because mm-hmm. my uh, experience up to that point had not been positive with uh in terms of words like s- straight or gay like mm-hmm. they they didn't help me 
Right. Um, they they hindered me. They they put me in a box. Right. And uh, and I didn't want to be put in a box. I wanted to be amorphous <laughs> blob of you know like I I'm a bit of this. I'm a bit of that. Or yeah. or what like you know I'm I. It's not something that can be characterized. It's simply an organic organic quality of who I am. Sure. And it, and it's not a a thing that that can be articulated in language. Yeah. Uh, you still need the label. You, mm-hmm. you need the label to be able to introduce yourself, for example, in, in this circumstance. For yeah, doing yeah, this. You, yeah, you started this off with a bunch of labels. Yeah, yeah. And, I, and, I, and I identified myself as uh, pansexual for the sake of people, other people understanding who I am and where I'm coming from. Right. But um, to me, the label is, is – that's the purpose that it serves. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. not a – it's not um, a box that you've yeah, put around yourself. Right. It's not it's, a. It's not the anchor or the the grounding of my identity. It's kind of a, it, perhaps a location it's, on a map. It's that you're very like somewhat near sometimes. It's very peripheral. It's uh, okay. it's a tool that is useful under certain social s- circumstances. Yeah. Um. But uh, it's not something that I identify with or think about. Yeah outside of that context so you don't wake up in the morning thinking how can i be the best i'm pansexual? a pansexual person <laughs> you, know, uh, you know most people probably don't wake up and think how can i be the best man or right how can I be the best what you know whatever part of their identity yeah yeah i've had experiences uh with a, a lot of people queer people who are or i've spoken with a lot of queer mm-hmm. people i should say um who are young and old mm-hmm. who for various reasons do find the u- label useful. Yeah. And, uh, for example, I've spoken with um, elder queer people who grew up in a time when words like gay uh, or lesbian even hmm. um, were pretty much non-existent. Yeah. Uh, they, they didn't have those um, those words, and so they didn't have the, the un- understanding that those identities existed. For sure. Uh, you know, they grew up at a time when being homosexual was perceived to be either criminal or uh, a, a psychological disorder. Yeah. yeah. And or, or just not a thing. Not a thing whatsoever. It's right, right. Not, like, not, not something that can then, be accepted. Yeah. Or, or for a lot of them, right, like you're saying, there wasn't a word for it, so it didn't exist. Right. right. Yeah. So, so it didn't exist. So if they were having that, those feelings, they had like yeah I, polyamory po- polyamorous people have mm. the same sort of experience right. like a lot of the time you know it's the hearing that word yeah and hearing what it means and going wait right why have i been cheating on people that so like, or whatever <laughs> right. you know there's a lot of older polyamorous people who have that um that same sort of experience yeah in, in a certain way. So, yeah, right. I get that. Yeah. Um, polyamory very much captures this idea that you can have emotional – you can be in a relationship and have uh, an emotional attachment to multiple people at the same time. Yeah. And yeah. it's uh, – you know, it, I don't know. It, it, is, I've, it Like I said, it, in my experience, I didn't know what polyamory yeah. was if I was even a, aware of the word. Yeah. But once I became aware of it, it made total sense to me. Yeah. I, you know, I don't know. Uh <laughs> Yeah, it, it's not. It's not. It's something that is, I guess, sort of intuitive. I think to somebody who's queer, because they, especially, and I think it is intuitive to somebody who is pansexual, mm-hmm. because it is um, about uh, being sort of pluralist mm-hmm. in your in your outlook, in your in the way in which you 
uh, interact with other people and, yeah. and enter into relationships and so forth. Thank you for coming on. This yeah. is Polyamorous Life. Um, there's one question that I usually ask people at the end. Uh, did I prep you on this question? No. <laughs> I don't know. Well, <laughs> this, is, this is a tough one. Um, but yeah, I'm going to ask you the question. And then considering that you work here, you might be able to answer this quickly. Okay. Otherwise, we'll have to, I'll have to let you think. Okay. So um, do you have a uh, song or other media that uh, you think – uh, connects with uh, non-monogamy type stuff because oh. th- um, that you would like to share because hmm. that's um, that's something that uh, non-monogamous people deal with like have to deal with almost every song yeah is uh, is about monogamy is about monogamy yeah it just occur I mean yes <laughs> that's true right, right? I never so, really so thought fi- of that finding the songs that aren't right that are about and developing a library or or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, and there are there certainly are songs that are specifically like there's songs written about polyamory that are yeah. you know that you can find on YouTube and stuff by the the you know extremely indie folk bands. Right, like right, that, right. Which is awesome. Yeah, they should keep doing. There are also it. a lot of songs that are about uh, free love yes. and uh, and so forth. So yeah, can I look at my library and get back to you? Absolutely. If you let me look at my library, I could probably come up with like a playlist <laughs> of well, music. Yeah, for sure. And and th- then we'll uh, yeah we'll we'll finish this up. Okay. That's good. Okay. Cool. So pause. What? Okay. <laughs> All right. So we'll take it from. The question. Sure. So, all right. So, do you have a song or a uh, some other media that um, speaks of non-monogamy or reminds you of non-monogamy or uh, something like that? Yeah. Uh, so, this is a little broad, but uh, I would say Jackie Shane's "Any Other Way," which okay. uh, so Jackie Shane is the uh, earliest trans-identifying soul artist. Okay. Uh, we're talking 1950s, 60s. Oh, very early. Okay. Yes, very, very, very early. And, uh, she performed, um, quite a bit. She was on television, national television. I feel like I just recently heard about it. She performed uh, a lot in Toronto. And so she is, she's from Nashville, Tennessee, but, and lives there now, or just recently passed away, but lives. That's why I I think I heard about her. And, uh, there's a history of queer Toronto called Any Other Way. Uh, okay. And, um, and so Jackie Shane is huge. It's, uh, she's a, an icon in terms of the queer history in Canada. Right. Uh, but especially in Toronto. Okay. And, um, and, Part of the reason, I mean, she was trans-identifying, but the, even the song "Any Other Way" is about how um, uh, you can be uh, queer and proud. Uh, mm-hmm. And um, it's, I think, it's fitting. It fits polyamory because it's not. It's broad enough to be just about um, however you love somebody or mm-hmm. however you love. Mm-hmm. Period. Yeah, yeah. Uh, is is acceptable, and uh, you know you should embrace it and be proud of who you are, and uh, and you wouldn't have it any other way. That's awesome. And that's uh, and that's what that song is about. And it's a beautiful song too. It's actually uh, excellent. Great to hear. Cool, cool. I yeah, I can't wait to listen to it. Yeah, um, sounds really good. Thank you so much once again for coming on this Polyamorous Life. Absolutely, my pleasure. Thank you, Reg.
been listening to this Polyamorous Life, sponsored by WindsorPolyamory.wordpress.com. Please like, rate, and review the show wherever you can. Helps out a lot. If you're listening on Twitter, let me know. I'm at LifePolyamorous. To help out the show financially, go to Patreon.com slash ThisPolyamorousLife. This show was put together by me, Reg Robson, with some editing help from Aaron Christmas. A big thanks goes out to Graham for coming on the show this week. I'll be back with another conversation for you in seven days. We are preparing for the Windsor Pride Fest Parade. I'm here at the corner of Ottawa and Argyle in Windsor, Ontario. And we are with Windsor Polyamory. And we're going to have an awful lot of fun in this parade. What do you find valuable about Windsor Polyamory? It's a relaxed group of people who are enjoying each other's company and happen to have something in common. The thing that I love about Windsor Polyamory from the start, the first event that I came to, people are warm, welcoming, open, and accepting, and fun. Um, I think the entire Windsor Polyamory community is very dedicated to an authentic expression of self and to growing and learning more about each other in the world, and I think that's really valuable. Find Windsor Polyamory at windsorpolyamory.wordpress.com.